Hey, it's Nathan, and this is day 65 of the Bible in 90 Days, and today we're going to cover the entire book of Daniel. Daniel, as mentioned a few episodes ago, is a contemporary of both Jeremiah and Ezekiel. What's unique about Daniel, however, is that he's positioned in the highest levels of government in Babylon, along with three close associates, whom you'll hear about in the book. Daniel's message is also unique as, for the most part, he does not speak to the Hebrew people, but to the power brokers under which he served, as well as providing a long-range prophetic vision of the coming political and religious future, especially the struggle between those political powers and God's people. The book is also interspersed with stories of the faithfulness of Daniel and his friends, which serve as inspiration to coming generations. Chapter 1, by the way, a chapter you must read, begins with Nebuchadnezzar making his first attack against Jerusalem. Taking some of the best of the people, including its youth, he also ransacks the temple, carrying off some of its vessels to Babylon. Upon arrival in Babylon, the best of the captives are put into an educational program in preparation for service in the empire. Among these are Daniel, the writer, as well as three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Their names are subsequently changed. Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. The big story in chapter 1 is of Daniel and his friends' refusal to be defiled by eating and drinking what was offered by the king, instead requesting to eat a simple diet. The official in charge of them reluctantly agreed to a 10-day trial of this diet, after which they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. Thereafter, the four boys continued on the same diet. God continued to bless them, and at the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. Under examination, the king found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. Daniel remained in royal service of some kind for the remainder of the Babylonian empire. Chapter 2, a chapter you should read as well, records that Nebuchadnezzar had a nightmare and immediately summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. One problem, though terrified by his dream, he could not remember a single detail. When his fortune-telling entourage proved unable to help him, there is no one on earth who can do what the king asks, they told him. The king ordered their execution. When the executioner found Daniel and his friends, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Daniel and his friends pray, and answer is given to Daniel in a dream. It's of a multi-metal image with a golden head that is later destroyed. Daniel is brought before the king. Daniel declares in part, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Daniel then interprets the dream, beginning with the head of gold. Your majesty, you are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. I'll leave you to read the rest 
but include this piece from near the very end of the chapter. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. After Daniel finished, the king fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor. Daniel is then made ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Daniel requests administrative positions for his friends, himself remaining in the royal court. Chapter 3, another chapter well worth reading, tells us that King Nebuchadnezzar had constructed a massive golden image on the plain of Dura and summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. Among these are Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those gathered from across the vast empire were ordered to bow before the image when the orchestra played. When the music sounded, the three friends refused to bow. They were summoned before the angry king, questioned, and then offered a second chance. However, the boys replied to the king, We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious, the king orders the men thrown into a superheated furnace. While the executioners die of heat exposure, the three men stand up in the fire and are joined mysteriously by a fourth, of whom the king says, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. At this, the men are ordered out of the furnace, and an astonished Nebuchadnezzar declares, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. The three Hebrews are subsequently promoted. Chapter 4 records a second dream or nightmare which King Nebuchadnezzar had. This chapter, by the way, was not written by Daniel, but by King Nebuchadnezzar himself as a proclamation. The king's dream is of a great tree under which the wild animals found shelter and the birds lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. The tree is then ordered cut down, yet its stump preserved. The king again turns to his entourage of fortune tellers who failed and then called Daniel in. Upon hearing the dream, however, Daniel was greatly perplexed for a time. And his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belteshazzar, Daniel's Babylonian name, by the way, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. The short of the story, King Nebuchadnezzar, if he continued his current course of action, would be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. This time of insanity would last for a period referred to as seven times 
until he came to recognize the God of heaven. Daniel then urged the king to repent and reform. Unfortunately, the king did not, and the dream in all its detail came to pass. At the end of the prescribed period, the king turned his heart toward God. His senses returned, and he was fully restored. In the end, the king declared, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven, because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride he is able to humble. Chapter 5 records the fall of Babylon to the Medes and Persians. The events in the chapter took place during the reign of Belshazzar, who, during a riotous Babylonian feast, brought out the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, using them to praise the gods of Babylon. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall. The king was terrified. His fortune tellers are no help. So Daniel is called. Kind of a familiar pattern. The message on the wall was quite simple. The end of the Babylonian Empire had arrived. That night, the kingdom fell to Darius the Mede, and Belshazzar the king was slain. Chapter 6, by the way, another chapter well worth reading, tells us that Daniel, now serving as one of the chief administrators under the new Medo-Persian regime, ran into some trouble at the hands of his administrative counterparts who raged with jealousy against him over his excellent service, because of which Darius the king was planning to set him over the entire empire. Since the other administrators could find no charge to bring against Daniel, they persuaded the king to make an irreversible decree requiring the worship of only the king. Being a faithful Hebrew, Daniel could not comply. He was subsequently thrown into a den of lions to be executed and survived the night because, in his words, my God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. The overjoyed, the overjoyed king had Daniel lifted out and his enemies and their families thrown in to the lion's den. A decree was then issued declaring the supremacy of Daniel's God, the living God who endures forever. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Chapter 7 records a dream given to Daniel during the reign of Belshazzar. In it, Daniel sees four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. The beasts in order are a winged lion, a lopsided bear, a four-winged leopard, and finally, an unnamed, multi-headed, ten-horned, iron-crushing monster. This is followed by the seating of a heavenly court, gathered before the Ancient of Days where the books were opened. This court results in the execution of the iron-crushing monster and the stripping of authority from the other beasts. Following this, the king, a son of man, was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. This new dominion will never be destroyed. The interpretation informs the reader that the beasts represent major political powers and their final defeat by God, 
with the establishment of an everlasting kingdom. Chapter 8 is another prophecy given during Belshazzar's reign. This vision also includes animals, but this time, instead of fierce beasts, it's barnyard animals, a ram with two horns and then a male goat with a prominent horn. This goat defeats and tramples the ram and ultimately ends up with four horns. The prophecy also includes a time frame of 2300 evenings and mornings. Daniel is given the interpretation of the symbols. The ram represented the kings of Media and Persia, while the goat represented Greece, with the four horns that came up later representing four kingdoms that will emerge from this from his nation. The 2300 evening and morning part of the prophecy, however, was not explained. The chapter ends with Daniel writing, I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. Chapter 9, by the way, another chapter well worth reading, begins with Daniel praying. After studying the words of Jeremiah the prophet regarding the 70 years of exile, here is the beginning of his prayer. Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Before Daniel's prayer is finished, something amazing happens. While I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. The messenger explains that he's been sent in answer to Daniel's prayer. What follows is a detailed explanation involving 77s, decreed for the people of Israel to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. Chapter 10 records Daniel in vision again. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. Near the river, he sees a man. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. During the vision, he's told, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you. What follows is a description of supernatural conflict unfolding that involves Michael, your prince, and the prince of Persia. Chapter 11 is the most intricately detailed of Daniel's prophecies. In it, Persia, Greece, Egypt, and the beautiful land are mentioned, along with others, as well as the king of the north and the king of the south. Chapter 12 continues this prophecy, declaring, At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. 
But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. The chapter also indicates that Daniel's message would be sealed until the time of the end. Additionally, three time elements are included briefly, a time, times, and half a time, as well as 1,290 days and 1,335 days. And that's all for today.